Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. Rick, this is episode 51. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's our general manager, Rick Spillman. More than 30 years of NFL experience, including a decade as a Vikings general manager. So we're continuing our division-by-division look at how each team did in the draft today, focusing on the old AFC and NFC North. And if you missed it, last week we did the AFC and NFC East with our guy Lee J. Doosable and the AFC and NFC South with the mayor old Jacksonville there, Petey Prisco. You can check those out in the feed. And Rick, we call this a tease in the business, but uh, we've got a little surprise for you. And Deba, why don't you give them the details? Because I know you're excited about this. <laughs> so after months and, and months of Rick clamoring for, <laughs> and rightfully so, for Paramount Plus, a subscription to Paramount Plus, we we have an offer for him. <laughs> right, Ryan? That's the best way to put it. It's I don't know. It's not no free lunch, Rick. Yeah, it's no free lunch. Rick, the the stipulation around this Paramount Plus gift card, I I think it's pretty simple. Me and Ryan gathered over the weekend on Mother's Day to talk about this. (laughs) You have to go an entire episode without laughing at one of your own jokes. (laughs) He's out. He's out. (laughs) And you get the gift card. You get Sly Stallone's new show. You get the Godfather on there. You get Jersey Shore. (laughs) <laughs> I know all things you're dying to watch. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if I'll be able to accomplish that. I will try my best, but <laughs> it will be very difficult. No and, promises. Yeah, I can't promise you that I can't laugh at myself because I do it 24-7 because my wife laughs at me 24-7. So, and Ryan laughs at me 24-7. Yeah, so all right. I'm, well, start the clock, Devo. Here we go. Let's see what happens. So, uh, yeah, Devo worked his magic. Paramount Plus is this close, Rick. <laughs> so we'll I, see what happens. I can't take the pressure. I, I really can't. I'm trying. All right. Well, hey, we'll Devo, could, could I ask one other favor? I don't know when the appropriate time is, but I think when we start counting down the next year's draft, I don't know if it's 350s or there's not that many days in the year. <laughs> Three. Just kidding. He already laughed at his joke. Look at that. (laughs) 340 days or 30 days, whatever is left. Can we actually get a countdown clock uh, that pops up on the screen? Uh, When Ryan starts announcing there's only 295 days left until the 2024 NFL draft. I I feel like we need an actual tangible calendar in in Ryan's background that he just flips. Day to day. I like it. Yeah. I'm just coming up with creative things. I'm a, I'm a, my artistic mind just keeps churning and churning uh, to come up with an idea. Don't (laughs) laugh. (laughs) He's out. He's terrible. I'll never get Paramount Plus. Please (laughs) just consider it. All right. Listen, as always, you can watch us live on YouTube at NFL on CBS. Give us a thumbs up while you're there. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a five-star review. All right. Let's get to the laugh best, Rick. We're talking AFC, NFC North. I'm going to go first. And this is the biggest surprise, perhaps, of the uh, of the draft season here. Me and old uh, BMAC Steelers. I gave them an A on their draft. And I'll go quickly through the players. That they took to get that A. We talked this to death, <laughs> but I'll mention it again. They traded up for, for Broderick Jones to tackle out of Georgia. We talked a lot about him during the draft process. And in the process of trading up with the Patriots, meant the Jets couldn't get their offensive tackle. Uh, our guy Lige talked about this last week. Uh, he was curious about the Will McDonald pick there that the Jets ended up with. The Jets have since said, and understandably so, that Will McDonald was always their guy. The edge rusher out of Iowa State, we'll see about that. 
Steelers came back at the top of round two, the Chase Claypool pick in that trade with the Bears last fall to get Joey Porter Jr., cornerback out of Penn State. And then they got well, they had another second round pick. Who was the other second round pick they got? Was it, oh, it was Keanu Benton. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. My numbers are wrong, of course, as usual. Keanu Benton, they came out and got him. Uh, 49th pick in the second round. And then came back and got Darnell Washington, tight end out of Georgia. A lot of first-round buzz about him. Uh, we found out there was uh, some medical, so that's probably why he slipped a little bit. Nick Herbig, one of my favorite players in this draft that we didn't talk a whole bunch about, played outside at Wisconsin, probably ends up playing off-ball linebacker, maybe a mix of those roles, uh, depending on the situation. Defensively, he's a fun player, and his brother they signed this offseason as well. So now that they're, they're known Pittsburgh for having – brothers on the team or relatives. So this continues that trend. Then Corey Trice, a guy I was talking about a lot throughout the draft process, tested through the roof is, is a big corner at six, three probably ends up perhaps playing a little safety as well. We'll see how that works. And then finally Spencer Anderson, uh, the other, not necessarily in a bad way, the other offensive tackle out of Maryland just didn't talk a lot about him because we spent a lot of time talking Jalen Duncan during the draft process. So that was their draft. Um, it's hard pressed to find a pick that that doesn't make sense and fill a need. Rick, I'll, I'll let you uh, highlight some some picks that you liked, or maybe some that you thought were were curious there if there are any. No, I thought they knocked it out of the park. They filled needs and they filled them with very good football players. I thought Broderick Jones. Uh, they made a, a very smart move uh, to go up and jump ahead of the Jets. If the Jets were so sold on McDonald, it wouldn't have taken to thirty seconds to turn their pick in. I don't believe so. <laughs> That's just uh, my my guesstimate. Uh, Joey Porter Jr., you know what would be interesting about this will be the contract because with the contract, he was a 30-second pick. Now, when you look at all the contracts of the rookies last year, from Ooh. Ooh. the first round to the 30-second pick, they were all guaranteed money. The 30-second pick this year was in the second round because there was only 30 first 31 first round picks. So the first pick in the second round last year, only about two thirds of his contract was fully guaranteed. So there's going to be a little bit of a dispute. I think from the agent standpoint, right. they're going to argue that, Hey, he's a 32nd pick. Technically that's first round. Technically he should have his contract fully guaranteed. On the other side, if you're the front office, you're going to argue, well, it was the first pick in the second round. I can't help the Miami Dolphins forfeited their pick for tampering. So we are not going to fully guarantee mm. his contract. But for your consolation prize, um, since he was the top pick in the second round and why we're not fully guaranteeing his contract is because we do not have the option of that fifth year to exercise a fifth-year option if he mm. was a first-round pick. So you're getting a bonus by getting to free agency in four years instead of giving us the opportunity to potentially exercise that fifth-year option. So it'll be interesting to see as these contracts continue to come in where that ends up. Does it end up as a fully guaranteed contract, uh, first pick in the second round, and does that start a trend in the second round? Because right now it ends at the 32nd pick. When you look at all the contracts uh, from last year, that's where the fully guaranteed contracts end. So this will be a interesting dynamic to watch. And if there is a potential holdout, not because of the monies, but because of that argument going back and forth on a 32nd pick. All right. Well, let me play the role of Joey Porter's agent and say, and you know, you're you can be Omar Khan, and you just said, well, it's not your fault that the Dolphins don't have a pick. Well, it's not Joey Porter's fault either. So why is he getting dinged because the Dolphins cheated and he still was the 32nd overall pick? Why shouldn't he get that guaranteed money? Well, what I'm telling you is, okay, if you're going to give us the guaranteed money, we're not getting, you're not getting your cake and eat it too. Is that mm -hmm. a piece of cake and eat it too? Is that a, a saying? That's it. Okay. Um, so you cannot have a fully guaranteed contract like a first round pick and we don't have the opportunity to exercise that fifth-year option. So we're giving you, you actually, even though you're not getting a fully guaranteed contract, you're actually getting to free agency in, in uh, a year earlier than uh, 
than anyone in the first round, potentially, if they get their fifth-year option exercise. But there's a significant difference in money, too. <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why we're having this phone call. <laughs> yes. So, so, wait a second, though. Aren't all the slots slotted monetarily? Yeah, they are. They're pretty much it. The biggest thing that the team and the agent's going to argue is over the uh, language, whether it's offset language or not. What that right. means is if we cut you in the third round or third year of your contract, you sign with someone else, we should get offset from that contract you sign with a new team. Right. Agents are fighting. Well, no, we're, t- we're taking all our money and we want to get that contract from the second team if we do get cut and not have it uh, count against us from the original contract. It allows them to there. double dip. It's a double dip. Correct. Yeah. So, All right. So this this will be interesting. So it's not necessarily the case that the CBA states that the 32nd pick gets this amount of money. It's just the first round pick gets this amount of money. Right. Well, it's it's that's where the cutoff is, because I know if I um, and I have to recall, I, sh- I should bring up their contracts. For example, if you got just a second here, Ryan, I just no, have, I have a second. have it right here. So two years ago, for example, I think I have the contracts right here as I sit there and look at this. Okay. So remember in 2021, let's just take that for an example. Yep. So Trevor Lawrence was the first overall pick. He had a total of 36.8 million and all 36.8 million was guaranteed. Okay. All right. The 32nd pick was Joe Tryon. And he had 11.2 million that year, only 10.7 of the 11.2 were guaranteed. But last year, is it seen uh, the safety from Georgia that Minnesota took with the 32nd pick? I think so. I'll double that check. Was fu- that was fully guaranteed. So okay. that 11.2 was okay. Then the 33rd pick, Tyson Campbell, uh, Jacksonville, his total. Mount money was nine million, but only seven million of that was guaranteed. And I believe last year it went up to nine two, but only six point nine was end up getting guaranteed on those picks last year. So that's where the sticking point is going to be on this thirty second pick. Gotcha. So Lewisine was the final pick in the twenty twenty two NFL draft, as you noted. So let me ask you this, and then we'll move on. Will Joey Porter get closer to Lewisine money total? Not oh, I total. Get Lewisine money. Okay, just it's all of it. No, will be guaranteed. It's just whether it's all guaranteed or gotcha. not. And so it he, comes down to, I want fully guaranteed contract and I don't have to, and I get the fifth, no option on the fifth year. So he gets, he, he as you pointed out, his cake and he's, he's eating it too. Gotcha. So he's going to get Lewis seen money, not getting Tyson Campbell money. It's just a matter. It won't all be uh, guaranteed. And he only has a four year deal. Right. Gotcha. Okay. All right. What's, all right, more, what's more if from an agent standpoint, what's more important to you? The, fully guaranteed money or knowing that you're not going to get that fifth year option that you only have a four year contract and you can get to free agency a year earlier if you're, if you're good. Well, that's the thing. You got to be good. Cause if you're not good, agents that the, the, the golden goose ain't laying any more eggs. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's the, the, the trade-off. So I would argue back from a team. So we drafted him because we think he's going to be good. So you don't have any confidence in your client that we would exercise that fifth year option. Has any agent said, no, I don't have any confidence. Yeah, no. Okay. That's, oh, that's part of the, that's part of the negotiation ploy. Right. You got to downplay it. All right. A plus for my Steelers. I actually gave him an A. Uh, next up the Ravens. I gave them a B minus. Ugh, that's kind of harsh. It was kind of harsh. I was just trying to do differentiate because you and Pete only gave B's last last week to everyone, so I was just mixing up a little bit. They actually had a pretty good draft. Didn't have a ton of picks. It starts at the top with Zay Flowers. Love that pick. Um, he was the second wide receiver off the board after JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I do believe. He makes a ton of sense there. Uh, with Lamar coming back, they have Odell Beckham. They signed Nelson Aguilar, so they have a, finally have a, a, a crew of wide receivers. Hopefully some of those guys pan out. Uh, then they came back and got Trenton Simpson in the third. That's about where Trent Simpson should go. I, I think it's a good pick. I, I don't have necessarily high expectations. Athletically, he's great. I think at times he's not where he needs to be, but again, that can work out over time. Uh, Tavius Robinson went in the fourth round, the edge rusher out of Ole Miss. 
Um, I'm looking at my numbers here. I had him more uh, more likely to go in, in round five, or that's where I had him going. So they took him around earlier than I thought. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. And then Caillou Blue Kelly, a guy we've been talking about since the Senior Bowl, uh, good athlete. Uh, his dad played in the league, smart player, good teammate, and uh, long. So he he makes sense in terms of what the Ravens look for cornerback-wise. Then they got uh, Amave Laul. I sound like Rick pronouncing this guy's name. Alou. Laou. The uh he played outside at Oregon. He probably plays inside here. He's incredibly raw. Uh he's a project, and this is when you take projects. And finally, I actually really like this pick a lot. Some of my favorite pick, maybe my second favorite pick after Zay Flowers. Angie Voorhees, the interior offensive lineman at USC. The Ravens have a history, at least recently, of, of taking guys and medically redshirting them essentially. Last year, David Ajabo uh towards Achilles at his pro day. This year, poor Andrew towards ACL at the combine. So he's going to be out for the year, but I, I liked him as a late day two, early day three guy. I think teams like him more as early day three when I talk to them. But to get him here in round seven feels like a steal. Uh, I'll ask you first about Andrew Voorhees here. How do you like this pick as a medical redshirt? I think it's a great pick uh, because I think he's going to he's got an opportunity to be an eventual starter for him. He's got a year to rehab, uh, learn the system, um, and grow. Um, you know, it needs to get a little stronger, but he's a big plays, very physical, uh, not the most body beautiful in the world, just mm-hmm. seeing his body picture at the combine, but he is a very good football player. And I think he has an opportunity to be an eventual starter. So when you're in a seventh round and you're taking a swing of guys and you can get a guy with maybe third round value, in my opinion, I thought he was a late day two guy, uh, that you en- may end up getting a steal here. What are the expectations for Zay Flowers? And I ask you that um, knowing that they have Lamar Jackson, but also ask you that because what were the expectations for Justin Jefferson coming in to a system where it wasn't clear necessarily that he was going to play a lot right away, but what do you, what, what should the Ravens expect out of Zay Flowers? Oh, I think he'll, he'll walk in and start right away at the slot position. And you have Bateman, you have, they signed uh, uh, Aguilar from uh, yep. uh, New England, um, you know, and then they go get OBJ. So I think he's going to be a immediate impact player in the slot right away. And I also think he's going to be able to help them as a returner as well. So I think he'll have a big, big role next year. You read some of the clips and what he's saying, he thinks he's, you know, which is great, very confident in his ability. I would say the best way to describe it, but uh, not cocky. Um, And I think he believes in everything what he brings to that team as a football player. And I think he'll have a major role next year, especially if they're trying to get all. Now they put a bunch of playmakers around Lamar. They got that saga uh, put to bed. Mm -hmm. So now it'll be interesting to see a new offensive coordinator. That's probably going to throw the ball more. So it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds, but they have long time that I can't I can remember when they had this many weapons especially at the receiver position to go along with the tight end Andrews on uh giving Lamar a chance to uh show that he can be a true quarterback and not just a quarterback that can run yeah JK Dobbs is coming back a year further away from the ACL so we'll see about that by the way if you're watching on YouTube you'll see the grades there the first round grades are from Pete Prisco that he did in real time during during the draft, and then the day two, day three grades are from Chris Trapasso, also in real time. So I was like, why did Pete give the Ravens a B for Zay Flowers? And it's because he likes Jordan Addison better. He thought Jordan Addison made more sense. We'll see which wide receiver turns out being uh, better, but you and I both had Zay ranked a little higher. Let me ask you one more thing before we take a break. So you mentioned Zay Flowers as a returner. At what point do you transition as a coach or GM from, look, man, let's not put one of our best players out to return kicks or punts anymore and just leave them solely as the playmaker? Number one. Number two, did J.J. ever return Justin no. Jefferson? Okay, he never no. had that conversation. No. All right. No, we you just um, – because I think he's going to be a nickel. So how many times are they going to be in three wide? We went through this uh, information where people talk about if you hear this out there with 12 personnel is mm-hmm. that's the first time you hear the number is the running back. The second number is always a tight end. They may be in 11 personnel a lot because of the skill set they have at the receiver position. So that means they'd be in one, one running back and one tight end. So I think they will be in a lot of 11 personnel and he'll probably play about 70% of the time, but if he's 
has the ability to win games for you, you'll want to get the ball into Zay Flowers' hands as much as you can, whether at receiver or as a potential returner. All right. Makes sense. And by the way, 11 or 12 personnel, you just do the math. Uh, five total eligible receivers. So you have the tight end, you have the running back, do the math, and that's how many wide receivers are on the field. So that would be 11 personnel, three wide receivers, and you have Zay playing in the slot. All right. You, put, you learned a lot today. That's good. Yeah. Did, yeah. My, did my math homework and everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll see if Rick laughs at his own joke. So far, so good. Uh, we'll be right back after this. All right. CBS and Paramount Plus. There you, <laughs> hey, you, I mean, you literally laughed at your own joke saying the words Paramount Plus. <laughs> we got to think of something else, Ryan. <laughs> this is too easy. I mean, there's no way this is going to happen. I'm never going to get Paramount Plus. <laughs> I'd have to do a hundred shows to get Paramount Plus. Yeah, we got to think of something else. Uh, maybe because Pete Prisco brags about being a really good ba- a shooter, like three point shooter. You think you could beat him in a three point shooting contest? I can beat Pete in anything. Pete's All not right. an athlete. That might have to be the the bet, Rick uh, Debo. When they get to Fort Lauderdale, have them go shoot shoot hoops and see who can. I'd better take him out on the golf course and and uh, <laughs> give him a lesson or two there, which I did last year. <laughs> yeah, because this this you not laughing at your own joke thing that was that was doomed to fail from the start. <laughs> All right, let's go to Cincinnati and look. In fairness, as I look through these these draft grades, I gave the the Bengals a B. Every team in the AFC North could have gotten an A. They all did really did really well. Cincinnati started with Miles Murphy at the bottom of the first round. Uh, I mean, he's a a six five, two hundred seventy five pound lump of clay that's going to get a lot better. Incredibly smart. Rick and I've talked about that a lot. We talked to him at the at the combine and um, knows what knows a lot about engineering. And he's going to learn more about football as he goes through the process. They came back around and then they got DJ Turner in round two. He's 176, I believe, is what he came in at at certain points in the pre-draft process. The cornerback out of Michigan uh, ran a blazing fast time. He fits what they do. Jordan Battle, the safety, was their third-round pick at the bottom of the third round out of Alabama. Then my guy Charlie Jones, late in the fourth, the wide receiver out of Purdue. He's a little older, uh, started at Buffalo, went to Iowa. Iowa, for some reason, thought they didn't need Charlie Jones. Went to Purdue and balled out. Then my guy, Chase, I got a lot of guys. My guy Chase Brown, whose twin brother Sidney, uh, was drafted in the third round, I believe. Uh, Chase, the running back out of Illinois, goes in round five. Andre Yeshivas, the wide receiver, and Heptathlon out of Princeton, then goes in round six. I love that uh, the Bengals are drafting all these wide receivers. They're just loading up on wide receivers. And finally, they, they uh, DJ Ivey, excuse me, um, uh, the cornerback, excuse me, out of Cincinnati, and then the pick before that to honor John Breach. Brad Robinson, punter out of Michigan. So that's a B. Uh, so let's see. I'll ask you about the top three picks. Who do you think has more of an impact early? Is it Miles Murphy, the sort of edge rusher that's learning the ropes, but incredibly athletic, DJ Turner, or, or Jordan Battle, the safety? Yeah, I think Miles Murphy is going to be in a rotation with hum, with uh, Hubbard and Hendrickson. Yep. Uh, but those guys both have had some durability concerns, so they needed another edge re- pass rusher. He doesn't have to start right away, but I think he'll have an immediate impact as he grows. Uh, DJ Turner, to me, needs to get stronger. There's no question. He was the fastest guy at the combine, ran, what, 4-2-something? I think so. So he just got to get a little stronger, but he can play in that man cover scheme. And then Jordan Battle, they lost both of their safeties, uh, Von Bell and uh, Jesse Bates. Uh, Jesse Bates, I think, ended up in Atlanta, Von Bell in uh, Carolina. So I think he can come in, even though he has some athletic limitations. He is just so instinctive and smart and puts himself in position to make plays. So I think all three of these guys could have some kind of impact. DJ Turner, I think, will take a little time, uh, but they'll they played uh, his counterpart last year, who they drafted early. Um, uh, who was a safety corner they drafted out of Michigan last year? Um, Dax. Dax uh, Hill. Dax Hill. You got it, out of Michigan. Yep. Yep. So I think uh, – but I think they they did a great job filling some needs, filling some depth. And uh, the only – I guess if I had one criticism is they never took a tight end. I thought that was a major need going into this. And there were some tight ends on the board where they passed on 
I know they signed Irv Smith Jr. If he can stay healthy, he can definitely be a help for them in a passing game. But I thought maybe they may, instead of going DJ Turner here, uh, potentially look at what other tight ends were available to fill another another hole on their roster. Yeah, no, I get it. They have Irv Smith, you mentioned, second-round pick. Devin Asiasi was a third-round pick of the Patriots a few drafts ago. And Drew Sample, who's also a day-two pick, I believe, um, of Cincinnati a few years ago as well. All right. Let's move on to the old Cleveland Browns. I gave them an A-, minus, even though they didn't have a pick until um, round three. Round three. I thought they did a lot with a little. So it starts with Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver out of Tennessee, who was injured for parts of the last two seasons. In fact, his injury allowed Jalen Hyatt to to burst onto the scene and, and also become a third round pick. Uh, I think he I think he helps that that offense that lacks depth of playmaker. Uh, Siaki Ika, one of Prisco's favorite players, also went in round three, three hundred forty pounds. They needed help in the middle of that defense. Um, speaking of large human beings. Uh, the next pick in the fourth round was Dewan Jones. Legit first-round talent. The question was, was he going to eat himself out of the league? And we'll find out about that together. Then Isaiah McGuire, the edge rusher out of Mizzou. I thought he had a he had, he had some really good tape at times. Uh, ended up going in the fourth round. He might end up proving that he should have gone higher. Uh, we'll see about that. And then Dorian Thompson-Robinson was sneaky a really good pick because he fits their system. He fits their style of play at quarterback. He got better each year at UCLA. He has some decision-making issues, but you say that about just about every quarterback coming out, uh, and he's a good athlete. So he might have an opportunity to play depending on injuries in front of him, uh, and we'll see about that. Cameron Mitchell, a a cornerback out of Northwestern. I liked him a lot. Uh, Last until round five. Good player, not a great athlete. Um, A little handsy at times downfield, but those are things you can certainly fix with practice. And then finally, Luke Whipler somehow went in the sixth round, undersized center out of Ohio State. I thought he might end up being a top 100 guy, and he lasted till 190. Uh, I like the pick. I like the what it does for the depth along the offensive line. And, you know, the Browns are out of excuses for not being good. We'll, we'll see. They always seem to find a way and new and inventive ways to lose football games. But uh, which one of these picks, not necessarily is the best, but is the most intriguing to you, Rick, in terms of being high upside guy? Yeah, you know, Cedric Tillman, if he didn't have the ankle, I think uh, he may have gone earlier. So I thought they had good value there, although he's more of a big physical receiver than that speed guy or that quick-twitched slot guy. Um, And then I I liked the Baylor kid, uh, Siaki, because he is a two-gap nose tackle, but when you go back and I kept watching tape on him, he does get some pressure uh, up 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 the field as a pass rusher if he can get an edge, but he's so powerful. And when you can collapse the pocket, that's critical for those edge rushers. So when you have Miles Garrett coming off the edge, this could be this guy's best friend because the quarterback can't step up and he's going to force him the quarterback to stay deep in the pocket, and that may lead to even more production for uh, Miles Garrett. So I thought that was really good. DeWan Jones, we'll see how much, you know, he likes ball or doesn't like ball, uh, but when he's on, he's on, and I think could be a solid starter. And then I liked uh, McGuire. I know yeah. he's a little stiff, but he pins his ears back. He plays hard every time, and he really had a nice game against Broderick Jones when they played Georgia down there. I thought that was the best game of his seasons uh, last year. So I think they got a lot of value and a lot of players that can come in and contribute and definitely add depth. So let me ask you this. Three years from now, and all the non-first-rounders are signed four-year deals, three years from now, who is more likely to be a starter and, and be an average to above average player, Luke Whipler or Dewan Jones? Oh, I'm going to go with Whipler because I think he wow. is a good football player and I think he has passion for the game. I can't believe he's still sitting there uh, where they got him in a six. He is undersized, uh, but I do like him. I know he struggled in that Michigan game when he went against Mozzie Smith, um, but for the most part, I think he has a chance to be a solid starting center for them because he's so smart. The biggest question is like most of these undersized centers is when a big nose tackle does get on top of them or lines up on the ball on top of them, can they handle that type of power? 
and he's going to need help with the bumpers and the bumpers. I mean, both guards in order to create some movement, especially in the run game. And he's got to anchor better. Uh, if he doesn't set on you quick in pass protection, he's going to get walked back. But if he sets on you quick, I think he controlled a lot. He can control the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and he's six three, three hundred. It's not like he's five eleven, you know, one eighty seven. He had short arms, but again, if you play inside, typically you have short arms. I tend to agree. I would like to think the best of Dewan Jones, but I just don't know, man. Like he's going to pass a, the pastry shop every day to work, and that that could be his downfall. So that's sort of something that you have to figure out if you're the the Cleveland Browns, and I'm sure they had those conversations along with the thirty one other teams, and that's why he lasted uh, until round four. All right, Rick. And, and that's okay. great value in the fourth round. If he, because when he's on, he's on, and he had a big. Yeah. So you're not talking about first, second round pick where there's way more risk. But when right. you're talking about Saturday, take a swing on some guys. It's it's worth the the risk reward. Let me ask you this before we take a break. So let's say you, I don't know. I'll ask you. Can you put in your contract? He has to weigh in every Monday or whatever, oh, yeah. and he has to meet. And if he doesn't, you you find or whatever contract. I think it's um. I don't, I don't know what it's up to now, but I think it's close to $1,000 per pound overweight. So um, let's say you came in and you were five pounds overweight that week that you were supposed to weigh in at whatever designated weight the team makes, that, that could cost them a $5,000 fine. What if the agent says we're not signing that contract? Oh, he's not going to not sign that contract. Those oh, guys, okay. are, These guys are going to want their guaranteed monies. He's going to get a signing bonus. Gotcha. Some guaranteed money. They're going to want that money. They're not going to hold out. And, a, you know, fourth round pick is not, that's just knuckleheadish. <laughs> <laughs> knuckleheadish. <laughs> okay. No, I'm curious. Out if you're a fourth round pick, come on. So let's say he signs it and he has good intentions, but every week he, he gets fined at least a thousand bucks. Then then what are you doing? Well, that's, that's on him. He knows yeah. what the, the ramifications are if you're going to get fined if you're coming overweight. So, but you know, I don't want you to go in too. And that's part of your nutrition plan with him. You have all the support around these players. And I don't think it's an issue when they're in the building right. as much as it is in the off season when they go home. And then the biggest concern was, are you going to come back 400 pounds or five, 420 pounds, mm. uh, Becton, who's had some weight issues coming right. out of college and, and he, Still continues to have weight issues, although they're saying the uh, this is the best shape he's been in. The left tackle out of Louisville that the Jets drafted in the first round, but you're talking about a fourth round pick, so right, he's probably got right now motivated and a point to prove that he can keep this under control. But you always got to have that in the back of your head. Uh, is he going to be able to maintain this through his career? All right, well, we'll find out. We'll, we'll circle back in three years and see where Whipler and, and Dewan Jones are. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll hit Rick's grades on the NFC North. All right, Rick. We lost Ryan for a moment. He's almost 50. He turns 50 next month. I think he needed a bathroom break, but I'm going to run through the Lions as we head to the NFC North. You gave out grades here. You gave out an A, run through the picks. They traded back from six, got Jameer Gibbs, a controversial pick at 12. Jack Campbell, another pick in the first round. You guys almost won me my first tight end off the board pick with Sam Laporta. 50 to 1 odds. He ended up being the second tight end off the board early in the second round. Brian Branch, also a second round pick. A lot of people thought he would go in round one. And, and one of your favorite picks in the draft, Hennon Hooker out of Tennessee, a potential redshirt type player for the Lions. Going down the list, Broderick Martin, Antoine Green, and Colby Sorsdahl. Round out the list. Rick, what were your biggest takeaways from the Lions draft? I, I just feels very awkward, Debo, with you taking the lead role and uh, co-hosting this show. Why can't I ever be a co-host? Why do I always got to be the supporting actor? You are the co-host, <laughs> literally. Thank you, Debo. In case you were watching on YouTube, and by the way, I had to Debo. Go guess what? Just for co-hosting today's show, you will get Paramount Plus. <laughs> he already has it. <laughs> <laughs> then you can get one of the invisible T-shirts for being a guest on the show today. By the way, I had to go run to – I had a potty break. That's why Debo took over quickly. And uh, I don't know if I told you this, Rick. One of the first shows we did, we were doing Rick's picks on Adrian Peterson. And one of the comments, I ran off really quickly while you were talking to, to use the bathroom because I do it a lot. And one of the comments were, how rude was it that the host left while Rick was talking about Adrian Peterson? He, he was so bored by the story. But it was actually just old man bladder. All right. 
I am shocked to learn that you gave the, the Lions an A. That was the, perhaps a bigger shock than Will Levis falling out of the first round. But we talked about this a bunch. It was probably one of the most unconventional drafts. But also, when you look back at what they had and now what they've added, it's a draft that made a lot of sense. And they they feel like not the clear favorites in that division. I mean, Kirk Cousins is still there, but certainly much closer to being one of the best teams in the AFC North, uh, NFC North, excuse me, than they have been in a long time. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, everybody was criticizing the Gibbs pick, thought he went too high in the first round. Although, I, uh, you know, we've talked about this. He is not just a running back. He's a playmaker. They can use him in a slot. They can use him in a return game. They'll find multiple ways to get him the position or the ball in his hands. Uh, they had it uh, probably planned and probably had a pretty good indicator that they were going to be able to move swift, which they ended up moving, I believe, for a fifth-round pick to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. So those talks were probably happening before and during the draft, and they had a pretty good indication that they would be able to move swift. What Brad Holmes does and Dan Campbell does that is so intriguing when you sit back and look is swift. Okay. He has had durability issues. No question about when he's healthy, what he can do on the field. Hawkinson, when they traded him to a division rival, the Minnesota Vikings, both of those guys were not in their future plan. So what they do and their MO is to go ahead and trade guys, even though they're good football players uh, that we're not going to sign long-term extensions to get value for them while we can now get rid of them a year early than a year late, uh, which has kind of been a personnel role. Um, and then let's replace them with Laporta and let's replace them with Gibbs. Now they got younger, cheaper options that are very good football players that also have high upside and should be able to replace both of those guys uh, at their respective positions. Jack Campbell, there was a lot of talk about him. Uh, I know, Ryan, were you a big fan of this guy or you weren't? I wasn't in the fall and I went back and watched more and I, I liked him more. At first, the uh, first game I watched, maybe in the Michigan game, and he it didn't blow me away. Then actually I watched the Ohio State game and I was like, oh, okay, this guy looks like he knows what's up. He's a pretty good player. He's not a bad player. No. Tough, instinctive, big, three-down linebacker. They don't make him this size. And I think that uh, he fits their scheme perfectly. And then to get Brian Branch, who we thought would be the first safety slash Nick off the board. And I believe, I don't think there was he was, but it lasted to the uh, 45th pick. And they went up and traded to go get him. Uh, so I think he's going to make an immediate impact. Uh, on their secondary, whether he plays up at Nick or ends up being uh, free safety. And then I love the the value they got with Hendon Hooker um, because I think that he will sit redshirt, which everybody said he had to do, play behind a vet who's been very good for Detroit and uh, let him learn. And hopefully he's the guy of the future going forward. And then they took a couple of swings late. Uh, although Broderick Martin was probably a little bit higher than I anticipated him going. I thought he was a Saturday pick, but he gives them a two-down run-stuffing nose tackle, and they need to get better versus the run on defense. And then uh, and, uh, Green, the receiver from UNC, who was kind of the forgotten child uh, because everybody was looking at Josh Downs, uh, and but Green, when you watch, go back and watch tape on him. Uh, and this was one of Pete, Pete's favorite guys in the draft. To hear Pete tell it, he let Brad Holmes know about Antoine Green. <laughs> yeah, no. So if Antoine Green makes it, it'll be a Pete Prisco pick, <laughs> even though apparently during the fall that Detroit never sent anyone to North Carolina or right. no one else watched this kid except for Pete Prisco. They so. don't have any East Coast scouts except for Pete Prisco. Hey, uh, Debo, how are you with the DeAndre Swift acquisition in Philadelphia for a fifth-round pick? No, that seems like a, a great move. Rashad Penny will probably get hurt at some point during the season <laughs> and, and probably early, so it makes sense to have Swift and, and a whole arsenal of backs there. I mean, I, I think the Eagles are high on Gainwell, but, you know, four-headed monster works for me. 
Do you think Swift will stay healthy through an entire season? No, he'll be, you know, week four and then he'll come back like week 13. You hope he's ready for the postseason. We're thinking about the postseason, Rick. Yeah, regular season doesn't even matter to them. That's just a formality. No, it's already a given they're making in the playoffs and winning the uh, NFC East. That's a lot of confidence, Debo. Why don't you worry about week one? No comment. All right. Uh, He does have a comment. I did. You know, I think it's a little disrespectful to have the (laughs) NFC champions on the road for Tom Brady's uh, welcome back ceremony to New England. But we don't have to get into that. This is a draft show. (laughs) (laughs) Not not a why Debo is angry at Roger Goodell show. Uh, All right. Let's go to Chicago. Does not make the schedule. The people that make the schedule. And there's some interesting tidbits on a schedule on how they actually come up. Did you know? that you can have no more than three road games. That's the max you can have. In a row. In a row. And that that they really look hard at teams that are traveling overseas. So the West Coast teams will probably more than likely uh, have an East Coast game the week before and then go over. Uh, I think it's the first time the Jacksonville Jaguars will be over there for two weeks straight playing games. Um, but there is a lot of little nuances to the schedule on. And do you know that teams actually can request? So if you had four games for your season opener that were on the road, they will look to try to get you a home game or the back-to-back Thursday night games. Um, and teams have the option after the international game, whether they want their bye week the next week or do they want to wait and go down the road. The other nuance is if you have an early buy, that more than likely your Thursday night game is going to be later in the season because that is like a mini buy, even though you have a short week, Yeah. but then you get the weekend off. So there's a lot of different ways that they try to slice and dice the uh, schedule to try to make it uh, as equal as possible for all the teams. You cannot request when you want your buy, but you can say you would like to have it here. Is that true? Uh, you can request anything you want, you know, <laughs> whether it's true or not. You know, I remember we played like seven or six primetime games on the road. And so we oh, requested geez. if we're going to have a primetime game over, you know, the last four or five years, we'd like to have a home primetime game. So you try to each team is uh, has the ability to fill out a sheet and send their request in to the league whether it's granted or not, but they do look at everything the team sent in. Do you do, do you guys do analytics on when's the best oh, yeah. time to have, because I would imagine just me anecdotally guessing, I would imagine you want to have the Thursday night game early in the year and the buy late. Yeah. But if you get your buy early, then the Thursday night game to me is all we always looked at as like a mini buy. Yeah. But uh, your guys are so banged up in week 13 that they're playing the week 14 Thursday night game. They got that short week. Yeah, but you have to look at the analytics and just see, okay, all the teams that have a light buy, late buy, how what is their success rate after that? We looked at our wins and losses after the bye week, uh, how we ha- so that'll determine how you handle that week of practice before. Yeah, uh, what was our record after the buy on the road versus home? So there is a lot of ways you can really dig in. I have a whole book on. <laughs> just everything from home games play versus playoff teams after the bye, you know, after a short week, before a short week, it's really uh, diced up pretty uh, in a lot of detail, I would say. To quote Pete Prisco, that's analysis by paralysis. Paralysis by analysis. Oh, Pete doesn't know. Pete does not know. All right, let's go to Chicago, a team that's going to take week one very important because they are trying to make the playoffs for the first time in a while. You gave them a B, and they had a pretty good draft. Uh, actually, the draft got weird early. Then it got better on day two. So Darnell Wright, uh, the right tackle out of Tennessee, was their first pick. We get it, but no Jalen Carter. They pass on Jalen Carter, and instead they trade down to get uh, Jervon Dexter out of Florida, the, the interior defensive lineman who, when he's on, is a first-round talent. He just wasn't on all the time. Uh, the Tyreek Stevenson pick in round three was a curious one. He looks the part. The cornerback out of Miami didn't always play the part. Uh, then things got interesting. So Zach Pickens, they get 
uh, out of South Carolina. I, I like that pick, the the defensive lineman there. Roshan Johnson in round four, I absolutely love that pick. The running back out of Texas played behind Bijan, has some special teams ability as well. Tyler Scott, wide receiver out of Cincinnati, also in the fourth round, love that pick. They need more playmakers. Noel Sewell, the linebacker out of Oregon, last summer had some first-round buzz. I don't know if he was struggling with injuries or just inconsistencies. He didn't play up to that this year for Oregon. Goes in round five, feels like a bargain. Uh, Terrell Smith, the cornerback out of Minnesota, ran in the four threes or at least uh, the low four fours, if I recall correctly. And, and Rick, you've been talking him up in the weeks leading up to the draft. He goes in round five, more depth there. Then Travis Bell out of Kennesaw State, defensive lineman, and Kendall Williams from safety out of Stanford are their final two picks. Um you can go in any direction you want here. Something you like or something that was curious to you about what the Bears did. Well, I liked the Darnell Wright pick because they had a chance, I believe, at Jalen Carter, and they decided to go this route. Yep. Um, because I think of the culture that they're trying to build, they're still young in their program. So I believe that Darnell Wright's going to bring that presence. There's no question about his football passion and how he likes to play the game. I think he's going to – plug and play starting right tackle. So it actually filled a need too, because I believe they're pretty high on uh, Braxton Jones, who they kind of hit on at left tackle last year. Yeah, day so, three guy last year. Yeah, and they went and signed Nate Davis in the offseason from Tennessee. So I think their offensive line will definitely uh, be better. Um, so they got a day one starter right out of the gate uh, on the first round. Where I kind of struggled a little bit was their second round. Both of these guys have some unique physical traits. Uh, Dexter, uh, I think, you know, we saw him work out down at the pro day at Florida. And there's no question about the physical specimen. It's just, can he play hard every down? And Stevenson, I like as a press man guy. But when you play him off in zone coverage, I really question his instincts it looked like there was a bunch of busted coverages for some reason against North Carolina, and I was at that game. So I, I saw him in person, and he does have the physical traits. I just don't know why he busted so many coverages. Pickens could give him some inside pass rush as he develops. He needs to get stronger in the run. And when you think of Rashad Johnson, you think of Monsters of the Midway. Yeah. You look at their backfield. You know, they went out and signed um, – Foreman, uh, Deontay Foreman, who had a really good year down in Carolina, another big bruising back. I really like Khalil uh, Herbert out of Virginia Tech. I think he's an underrated back. So they lost Montgomery to Detroit, uh, but they filled it with two big bruising backs and kind of an elusive uh, quick twitch back in Herbert. So you think November, December, if they're in the playoffs in January, the Roshan Johnson type running backs and that, you know, sleet and grass field and outdoors are going to thrive in those type of conditions. So, and then Scott brings them speed. Noah Sewell to me is a two down old school Mike that I don't know if he's going to be able to help them uh, in passing downs. And then the rest of the guys, uh, Smith has a chance. He's a developmental guy, but has unique physical traits. And the other two are uh, throwing darts at the board and seeing if you can stick probably practice squad type guys. Right. I'm laughing because you said throwing darts to the board. And again, you've talked about the analytics and all the things that go into it. You're still 50, 50. You're not even 50, 50 at that point. You're probably what? 25% best case on the late day three guys. Yeah. That's actually, you're hoping to hit 11% of those guys. Yeah. So, I mean, you are literally just throwing the dart at the dartboard and, and hoping for the best. Well, because that's where the analytics really came into play because they can identify traits on those guys that actually end up being practice squad or bottom end roster guys. They were able to come up with algorithms that say out of the 22,000 corners that are left on the <laughs> draft board, these three have the best chance based off of our, our, our studies. Let me ask you this, because we don't talk about this hardly at all. Bottom of the roster guys, and probably more specifically, even practice squad guys, there is some importance to having those players um, be able to help the first teamers, right? Yeah, those guys uh, eventually may have to – you're not saying they're going to be starters. If you get lucky, you know, then you're going to end up pegging some – you get some starters out of the way. We got a couple of guys that were in that category, the Thielens, the Diggs, Everson Griffin – uh, B. Rob, Brian Robinson, uh, all were Saturday picks that end up having significant play time for us. 
but for the most part, you're trying to find guys that are going to help you on special teams or can plug in and play and line up for four, five, six games that aren't going to get exposed. Right. But if they had to line up for 17 games, that they're eventually going to get exposed by the guys, the real dudes that are what we refer to as blue or red type players, solid starters to pro bowlers. But those guys hopefully can fill in until the starter comes back in play. All right, let's head to Green Bay where they had a ton of picks. They have a new quarterback. Uh, Some of those picks came by way of moving on from Aaron Rodgers. At the top, Lucas Van Ness. And so they drafted 13th, the Packers did, to Lucas Van Ness. There was some scuttlebutt that maybe the Patriots like Lucas Van Ness at 14. Once he went off the board, they screwed over their division rival, the Jets, by trading down, allowing the Steelers to move up and get Broderick Jones. And that's the whole thing we've talked to death at this point. Then they come back and get Luke Musgrave in round two, the tight end out of Oregon State. He is long. He is one of the fastest tight ends in this class, if not the fastest. And I think his best football is ahead of him. Struggled at times with focus drops at Oregon State, but uh, that's not something he can't uh, get rid of at the next level. And then Jalen Reed, uh, a speedy, undersized wide receiver. He's six feet, undersized, then he weighed 185. Gives you some returnability as well. Had a pretty good uh, senior bowl. Again, they circle back and get another tight end in Tucker Craft out of uh, South Dakota State. Uh, I really liked his game. The question is, how quickly do you go from FCS to NFL? He was a third-round pick. Then Colby Wooden, the other, quote-unquote, uh, defensive lineman out of Auburn, Derek Hall, was drafted in round two, I believe. Colby went in the round uh, in round four. And then, perhaps the biggest surprise of the draft, Sean Clifford out of Penn State, the quarterback, gets drafted in the fifth round to serve as uh, the backup to, to Jordan Love uh, in some capacity. We'll see how that works out. I didn't think Sean Clifford was going to get drafted, but uh, clearly the, the Packers felt differently. Dontavian Wicks, the wide receiver out of UVA, had a really good senior bowl. Uh, ran a slowish time at the combine, but he, I thought he played a little faster than that. He's a big wide receiver. Carl Brooks, we've talked a lot about in, in the previous months out of Bowling Green because he weighs 300 pounds and played outside, uh, which is something. Anders Carlson, brother of Daniel, kicker out of Auburn, gets drafted in round six. Carrington Valentine, the cornerback out of, out of Kentucky, we saw him at his pro day. He is a springy um, cornerback, a little stiff, uh, but he runs really well, and I think he made some made himself some money, as we like to say, at that at that uh, at that combine where he ran, I think, in the four fours. Lou Nichols, running back out of Central Michigan, went in the seventh, along with Anthony Johnson Jr., not Anthony Johnson. Anthony Johnson Jr. is the safety at Iowa State. And then Grant DeBose, the wide receiver uh, out of Charlotte, went in round seven as well. So I'll just ask you, what are you thinking when you draft two athletic tight ends that can't block? I think that Tucker Kraft has a more ability to block than Musgrave. I think Musgrave they'll use is more. We, we talked a little bit about like a Kincaid type yeah. that is, can run, that's athletic, that can uh, threaten the seams down uh, vertically, uh, that can create mismatches on linebackers and safeties. There's no question he's going to help them in a passing game and give uh, Jordan Love another uh, pass-catching w- offensive weapon. I think Kraft is more of a traditional Y. Uh, maybe not as fast as Musgrave, but I think he can be a Y that can develop into a blocker, into an underneath uh, intermediate zone type uh, reliable receiver. They didn't have any tight ends, so they got two going into, you know, coming out of this. And then I really liked the the, uh, the Reed pick, uh, Jaden Reed from Michigan State. I think he is the Randall Cobb mm. uh, of who they envisioned him as um, because of his quick twitch, his ability to separate. Uh, he makes some highlight type catches down the field. Does need to clean up some, some drops uh, also can help them in a return game. I thought he stood, stood out as one of the top receivers at the senior bowl when we were down there. So I think this was very good. And I'm a huge fan of, of Van Ness. And I think he is going to be, Uh, give them a lot of flexibility. When we interviewed him, I remember talking to him and he said most teams saw him as an edge rusher. No one really said, I'm going to put 30 pounds on a guy and move him inside. It's yet to be seen. But with Gary coming off an ACL with this kid's motor, um, with this kid's athleticism, I mean, he ran in the four fives, he can bend. He's just so raw with the technical part of the game, which is that's why Coaches love to get their hands on guys like this because he has potential to be a 
Pro Bowl caliber pass rusher because of his motor, because of his athletic athleticism and speed. There's no he's got a tremendously high ceiling. And I think um, that he's going to make, be a big impact for them. And I thought it was a great pick. Yeah. So we haven't talked a lot about Jordan Love and this team making noise in the NFC North, but they ha- he has the playmakers around him on, on offense, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon in the backfield. This could be a situation where if he can manage the game without making mistakes, maybe the, the Packers are going to be in the mix as well. All right. I think they're going to get better as the season goes along right. because they got the two young receivers last year, Dobbs and Watson. Now you throw in this rookie class and they went offense on the second day that I think they'll continue to grow and get better as the season progresses. Just going to call it now. Cause see a lot of 12 personnel, Rick. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what is, what is 12 personnel Debo? So what you do with your calculator is <laughs> <laughs> it's one running back, two tight ends, but if Musgrave is, literally lined up in the slot all the time, trying to create mismatches, defenses may adjust it and call it 11 big personnel and count him as a slot receiver instead of a, just a true tight end. So that's part of the, the chess matches that they'll have to figure out. Um, some of the, one of the dudes figuring out the chess match there is the uh, new defensive coordinator in Minnesota. What's his name? His name escaped me. The former Steelers linebackers. Flores. Brian Flores, good Lord, the former uh, Dolphins coach, too, obviously. And I think he's going to bring some aggressiveness to Minnesota. Uh, their draft is up next. Ricky gave them a B. Starts at the top with uh, Rick's favorite wide receiver, Jordan Addison. That's why he gave them an A for that pick. Uh, he joins Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen is now in Carolina. Uh, then a pick I didn't love, Makai Blackman, the third rounder, the cornerback out of USC. I, I just I didn't get it, and maybe I didn't watch the right games, but I, I thought um, he could have been better. I love the Jay Ward pick, uh, the undersized uh, sort of slot guy out of LSU. He played a lot of safety. Listed as a cornerback here, but I think he's, his future is probably more in the slot or maybe deep center field. Jacqueline Roy, his teammate out of LSU, the the big defensive lineman went in round five. I thought that was great value there. Uh, Jaron Hall, the quarterback out of BYU. I actually liked him, his tape in the fall. He didn't have a very good senior bowl and he sort of fell off the radar media wise, but clearly NFL teams liked him and they, he was taken here in round five. And then finally Dwayne McBride, uh, the big running back out of UAB uh, feels like real value at, at round seven. So any direction you want here, Rick, what do you think? Yeah. Addison was a no brainer. And I think when I moved on from Thielen to get Addison, Addison and Jefferson will be definitely a great combination because uh, I think Addison can play outside and in, and they still have K.J. Osborne to play in the slot, uh, who's been solid for him. Blackman, I, was a, I, I wasn't in love with the pick, um, although it was in the third round. I think he's undersized. He probably has position flexibility to play some Nick and play some outside. I think he needs to get stronger. He is best in press man coverage. I don't think he – you see the tightness in his hips – when he has to turn, when he's an off man and he's grabby down the field, he's a holding machine down the field um, <laughs> when they extend him down the field. But it gives him from position flexibility, uh, definitely in an area of need. Jay Ward played Nick. I think he's more of a free safety. He's more than willing and support, better reacting to things in front of him uh, than he is getting extended down the field. So I think he'll be a, a viable backup special teamer. And then Roy is, I think, trying to fit the mold, which Flores wants to run. He is a physical run defender. Um, He needs to get his pad level down, but he is a very strong upper body guy. And he has some twitch to him to get off blocks and find the ball carrier. I just have to see if they can develop him into some of a pass rusher. You know, they lost Tomlinson to Cleveland this year. So they need to get better and, and bigger and stronger up front. And I think this guy has a chance. Uh, I'm not a huge Hall fan, although you were, Ryan. We mm-hmm. had disagreements, and I didn't think he showed up. And then the, probably the steal of the draft could potentially be McBride. Uh, and the only issues with McBride, there were some off-field concerns, I believe, uh, but nothing that I heard that were off teams' boards. But the biggest issue with him was – he ran the ball 350 times a game, but only mm-hmm. caught four, I think, four passes last year. So 
Don't know what his hands are, but he's a big physical back with excellent vision that's always going forward. Very productive as a runner. So it'll be interesting to see what they do at running back because they re-signed Madison. They still have Cook on the roster. Um, they drafted Chandler, Ty Chandler, last year. So and now you got McBride. And so they got a bunch of running backs back there. So maybe they still plan on moving or doing something with Cook because he has such a high cap number. Right. And again, we, we've been talking up the Lions for a few weeks now as the team to beat, but there are obviously a lot of good teams in, in that division. Uh, all of them had really good drafts. Uh, worth noting, Makai Blackman, their third-round pick there, he and Christian Gonzalez both transferred out of Colorado. Yeah. One went in round three, one in, went in the first round. Uh, that's how you go from being just below average to winning one football game and, and having Deion Sanders as your coach. So we'll see how things go in Colorado, but that's an interesting development there. Meanwhile, that's it, Rick. That's a wrap on episode 51. Debo, did uh, Rick make it through? Does he win the Paramount Plus gift card? He, he really got better throughout the podcast, but the first 10 minutes were, were rough. Mm. All right. <laughs> I'm going to have to we'll, review the tapes. We're going to have to go back to the tapes. We'll review the tape, and we'll, we'll uh, have a decision for you Thursday, Rick. Hey, what, Ryan, what did the uh, Buffalo say to his kid when he dropped him off at school? You're not helping yourself, by the way. Rick, what did the you, Buffalo say to the kids? This joke, if you finish this joke, there's no shot for you. <laughs> Bye, son. <laughs> oh, he did it anyway. He did it anyway. All right. Uh, that is. I'll try it next episode. Yeah. You, you already knew that the bridge was burnt, so you were just going all in. You're getting your money's worth of money. I still one. have my Paramount Plus chapstick that I won. <laughs> it's Super Bowl. All right. If you stare at it really hard, you can actually see Paramount Plus programming on it. So uh, try that out. Let me know how it goes. That's it for, for episode 51. Remember, give us a thumbs up if you're uh, watching on the old YouTubes there. Subscribe to the podcast and the five-star review if you don't mind. Thanks, as always, to my guy Rick. Thanks, as always, to Debo for producing. Thanks to you guys for watching and listening. And we'll be back Thursday for what? The AFC and NFC West. All right, see you guys then.